Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Teresa, I was sitting in bed this morning when I woke up with like 10 inches of snow on the ground. And I looked at my phone and saw some interesting news about the Golden Globes. No. Well, first of all, you sit in your bed when you wake up? Sometimes. It's like part of my routine is when I wake (laughs) up, I get on my phone to see if like any news dropped in hours between me falling asleep and waking up, I guess. You actually sit, though. Yeah, I guess. You don't, don't like, just prop yourself up with, like, a pillow or something. Like, you actually, like, sit up. It's not like... And you're, like... It's not like an abrupt, like, News on my phone. It's more of a... It might be a prop. I guess it's kind of like propping. Like, you you know how you put that extra pillow behind your back and kind of get that extra extra angle? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's, propping up. Yeah. So, I... Okay, but wait, what was the news? You know I like award shows. So. Well, I saw yeah, I was I like to scroll through the headlines and see if anything catches my eye, and it was like all of the nominations for the Golden Globes listed. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I want to see. I like to read through that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I was I was scrolling through it, and then I got to the um, I think it was I forget how they title theirs, like most outstanding drama or something like that. But that's television show drama series. There we go. But I, I saw Mandalorian was actually on there, and I kind of, yeah. su- I was kind of surprised to see it got nominated. Not that I think it's going to win, but um, yeah, it was kind of cool. It's cool. I don't remember. Do you remember who else is in that category, or do I need to look it up here? I'll uh, just look. yeah, look Gold, it up. I know Ozark was there. Oh, Ozark. Uh, okay. So you got to scroll down because they're all in like okay. The Crown, which you and I both love. Yes. Uh, Lovecraft Country, Mandalorian, Ozark, and Ratchet. So I know of Ozark. I haven't watched it. I've watched The Crown. I haven't watched Lovecraft Country or Ratchet. So, yeah. I mean, I it probably won't win. Probably Ozark will win. But, hey, at least they're nominated. Yeah. So. Yeah, I enjoy Ozark and The Crown and The Mandalorian. So the th- three of those I watch. And... Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely gonna be tough to beat some of those titles. I don't mm. think it will win, but it just to get nominated is a nice, a nice honor. I don't think, I don't think anything else Star Wars got nominated. No, uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, for animated film, Onward and Soul are yes. nominated, so that's cool. But I don't know. I don't know if you've watched this show or not. I would just talk about it for a second. But have you watched Shit's Creek? Watch your mouth. I said Shit's Creek. <laughs> As in S H or S C H I T T S. Yes. Yeah, I I I know of it, but no, I have not watched it. Okay. You have to watch it. I I finally watched it and I watched all six seasons while I've oh, been wow. in, while I've been in quarantine. It's so good. So all the hype it's been getting, like all the Emmys and all the awards that it wins, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. It is so so good so you should definitely watch it and i know it was nominated for some things oh john boyega was nominated for best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series limited series or motion picture made for tv for small acts which i haven't seen but he was nominated and then something else i wanted to point out because i just thought it was so cool is best actor in a motion picture drama uh chadwick boseman is getting a posthumous nomination for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom which I was like oh wow can you imagine if he wins oh. yeah I saw his name on there too I was happy to see that and also yeah. happy to see John Boyega getting a nomination yep so it's always good to see with uh specifically about John Boyega like these these Star Wars actors find success beyond Star Wars mm-hmm because that hasn't always been the case for right. for these movies. So it's in sometimes these, I think more so with the with the newer ones, it hasn't impacted. Mm-hmm. You know, these actors, it seems like they've all done pretty well. Um, although I will say you don't really see um, 
you don't really see uh oh wow i'm blanking on her name which is horrible <laughs> ray oh daisy ridley <laughs> daisy ridley yeah you don't really see her i know she i know she's done some stuff but you haven't seen her do like a critically acclaimed thing since mm, since star wars i know that well she did oh it's that one on the train Oh yeah, my gosh, the Orient that Express, one. which yeah, which um, I did watch, and I, I thought she did fine, but that movie was definitely not not very well received critically. Uh, I, yeah, I liked it, but, but oh, yeah, you should good. be excited because Hamilton got nominated for several things, and yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda got nominated. Yeah, it was. I read through the whole list, and it was cool to see familiar things pop up, stuff that I watch. But I did real. I did notice that this year, probably more so than previous years, I didn't recognize a lot of the stuff because I think of the pandemic, and just I wasn't. You know, I'm not going to movie theaters. I'm kind of busy with life and not really paying as much attention to what's coming out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of the titles I was just like, oh, I've never heard of that. I have to look it up. See, and I think I'm the opposite because, like, you know, of course, I don't have kids, so I'm just kind of consuming because of the pandemic so a lot of these things i do recognize i've seen it's like oh okay cool maybe i should watch that uh so that's pretty exciting oh i just saw that zoe's extraordinary playlist got a nomination yay <laughs> that's a fun show i, I love that show I've been, i think i'm caught up maybe an episode behind but that's that's surprisingly because i remember we're seeing the previews for that i'm like oh okay uh that'll last a season but it actually seems to be really popular and i actually really enjoy it it's good. But, I saw something else that I thought. Oh, if you haven't watched Perry Mason on HBO, you should. Mm, it's good stuff. That one has has my attention for sure. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so that's what's going on around here. Golden Globe talk. <laughs> Golden Globes. <laughs> but we are we are getting into the um, the High Republic time. Period. We are, and I wanna I wanna apologize because we were supposed to have an episode last month, but when we were gonna record, I was not feeling good. I had a fever and stuff. I'm okay now, by the way, but yeah. it messed things up. So it's our get, yeah, and we you're gonna get two episodes for February, so you're welcome. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we'll double it up this month, so we won't get behind. But we're, so yeah, we're definitely gonna do two episodes for sure this this month and they're both going to be focused on high republic novels yep. and now i mean w- once the first one came out now we already have i think three we've got three total three so total have... novels that have already been released i think some of the comics have already come out yeah so our um, next two episodes are going to be high republic yeah definitely and then i know there's some other ones already announced coming out in june and... yeah it's the next one the the next uh adult novel the sequel to what we're reviewing today. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I, this is a new, this is kind of a new thing for the new canon. This is what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for a unique story with unique characters, all new, not recycled stuff, you know, like just like when you pick up a unique book at the bookstore you know or a new series or something that hasn't been done before you know and it doesn't have like it might have some tie-ins to something else or whatever but it's unique been waiting for that yes I i have more thoughts on that but i'll save it for the actual review okay but let's jump into it um yep. the high republic light of the jedi publisher del rey author charles soul known for his Darth Vader comics for Marvel. And the release date was January 5th, 2021, our first 2021 novel review. Yep. You want to do the publisher summary? Yeah, sure. All right. Long before the First Order, before the Empire, before even the Phantom Menace, Jedi lit the way for the galaxy in the High Republic. It is a golden age. Intrepid hyperspace scouts expand the reach of the Republic to the furthest stars, worlds flourish under the benevolent leadership of the Senate, and peace reigns, enforced by the wisdom and strength of the renowned order of Force users known as the Jedi. With the Jedi at the height of their power, the free citizens of the galaxy are confident in their ability to weather any storm, but even the brightest light can cast a shadow, and some storms defy any preparation." When a shocking catastrophe in hyperspace tears a ship to pieces, the flurry of shrapnel emerging from the disaster threatens an entire system. 
No sooner does the call for help go out than the Jedi race to the scene. The scope of the emergence, however, is enough to push even Jedi to their limit. As the sky breaks open and destruction rains down upon the peaceful alliance they helped to build, the Jedi must trust in the Force to see them through a day in which a single mistake could cost billions of lives. Even as the Jedi battle valiantly against Calamity, something truly deadly grows beyond the boundary of the Republic. The hyperspace disaster is far more sinister than the Jedi could ever suspect. A threat hides in the darkness, far from the light of the age, and harbors a secret that could strike fear into even a Jedi's heart. I did it! I like how they're, <laughs> I like how they're dropping keywords in. I know. Strike. Or like storm this in storm. some storms defy yeah they're talking yeah. about weathering a storm storms defy yeah. any preparation yeah it's it's little hints to some of the terminology they use for the villains that well, you, you know so you read it yeah you wouldn't know yeah exactly so that's pretty cool um so I know we both did at least some of the audiobook yep we did did you want to give any initial thoughts on the audiobook? Yeah, well, this is the first time in a while I've done a hybrid read, audiobook, regular, and it has to do with the fact that I'm not in my car as much these days. So I had to, like, actually read. As I noticed when in the car, I can read an audiobook, no problem. But when I'm at home, if I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm like, man, I could just read this faster. You know, right. so it's like, I don't know. So I did both. I did a hybrid. So something I'm noticing for myself with the audiobooks is that so many of them are being read by Mark Thompson right now that all the voices are smooshing together. Like the, he does the same voice for different characters, you know, and like the very first uh, one of the very first characters we meet in the book who is the pilot and the um, admiral or whatever on the legacy run, her voice is like the same voice as one of the other book characters. That right. Read. Like I heard it and I'm like, wait, you there's know, so, yeah, there's only so many different voices. Right. I think. There's only so many different voices he can do. And so they're starting to mush over. So I would kind of like it. I love Mark Thompson. Mark, if you're listening, I know you're probably not, but if you are, Love you. Uh, I just would like them to switch it up a little more so that I can, so they don't start to blend together. That would be great. But I liked it. I thought there was some really cool use of sounds, um, you know, the all the external sounds they use. And I like that I read the audiobook specifically for like two very specific parts because I think it pulled emotion out of me that I'm not sure I would have had if I had read those parts, just read them. I'm not sure. But I, I don't know. I liked both. It, But I think a lot of that is the credit to Charles Soule. Like, I actually really like the way he writes. So I I noticed it, too. I just know. I was like, damn, he writes really well, like, with how he's putting these stories, like, these characters together and stuff. I was impressed. Yeah. There was a couple times where, because I think he's mostly – at least from what I know him from, so I don't want to not give him credit if he if he writes a lot of other novels, but I've only ever known him for writing comics. Mm. Um, so I noticed a couple different times that he would describe sounds, and the way he would describe it was like, oh, that's how it would be on a comic book page. You know how you Yeah, the, and I loved it. The big boom sound. Yes. You, you could just see the bubble with like the B-O-O-M yeah. real big. <laughs> the way that he's, you know, the way he described it, I'm like, oh, you can, you can kind of see the influence from his comic writing, which I didn't yeah. mind at all. Actually, you know, we'll kind of talk about our overall review toward the end, but yeah, I, 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 I liked say, him a lot. I want to say too, on that note, there was space battle stuff in this and I could actually visualize it. And I think that goes to his credit because of his work as a comic book writer. Like he was able to make a space battle, something I could actually visualize, which no other author has been able to do so that's that's a good you. point thank you thank yeah, you very I, much i never noticed like as i was reading through this i never felt like the space battles were dragging nope and i and i just didn't think about it that much until now you're bringing it up i'm like oh yeah you're right like i never felt bored by them and that that's one thing i'll say about this book 
no matter what book I read, I typically will get to parts where I'm just like, ah, okay, this is kind of boring. Yeah. Never felt that in this book. No, no. It was very fast paced and just kind of moved from one thing to the next. And I just, yeah. And and typically the adult novels um, are the ones that I'll find areas that drag. And then it's the, you know, kind of the YA and the young, younger novels that tend to be a little bit quicker. Yeah. But this one read, not that it read like a YA novel, but it definitely had a pace of a YA novel, if that makes sense. No, I would agree. I also want to point out something that I loved about this, which was that each chapter was titled with the planet they were on or Mm. the ship they were on to give you context, which I appreciated. And then also, as we were getting to the great, catastrophe disaster thing and it was like 10 minutes before impact four minutes before impact and i was like oh my god like it was just building up the the my anxiety i was like oh words (laughs) i can't say on this podcast um but i love that structure of the them naming the planet or whatever they were on loved it it helped me immensely and then i also like the three-part uh breakup in this book right and there was like an interlude and like i know that's happened in other books but and we didn't really like it but this one this one i think it really helped i think it helped for us to kind of categorize it of the great disaster the middle part and now what is going to be leading us into the rest of the stories in this high republic era like i thought it fit yeah it felt like those three sections could almost have been their own published works correct and i also wonder if there's you know kind of some influence from comic writing as well because you know when you're writing comics you're writing individual issues that go into a volume and those volumes tend to go together to be a bigger story and these almost felt like it was like three separate comic volumes that Mm -hmm. that kind of were all one one book um I do have a okay. couple of thoughts on the audiobook before we yeah. get into the book itself review and just real quick thoughts. Um, I th- I thought that the one part where the the Wookiee was speaking <laughs> was funny because he he did the kind of Wookiee warble, Buriaga. but <laughs> but while he was talking English or basic, yeah. um, and I thought that was an odd choice and it it was more comedic than I think it was meant to be. Uh, that was one thing that stuck out to me. The when we met the Centec in Centecas, the oh, the one Santeca had the voice of the like the rich guy from Gilligan's Island. Oh, I was like yeah. to a T. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Martian Rove, his voice oh. was really good. Like I really yes. liked how he did that voice. It was very villainous, but yeah. not. It was kind of like this. Like his mind wasn't quite right, kind of villain, yeah. you know, and he it almost had like a bit of a Kylo Ren feel. I thought he really nailed that like voice. Slightly deranged Maul. Yeah, no. there's some. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I was really, that really helped me kind of visualize the character and also see the character as threatening. Yeah, I liked his loading great great storm too. Yeah, uh, I like that, and. <laughs> I was just going to say with everything we're talking about, it seems like I really need to get us an interview with Charles soul because we're like, so Charles, <laughs> tell <laughs> yeah. us about your comic influence. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Or here, we here. have questions. <laughs> it makes me want to read because I know both of us have gotten way behind on the comics. Oh, and beyond um, behind. Although I would be open to it if you were about reading the High Republic comics more like on time and even doing like a mini 10 minute episode (laughs) about each comic, because I kind of want to consume it all like when it's coming out instead of waiting for the the trades. Yeah, yeah, I'd be up for that if you wanted to do that. Yeah, I kind of I do. We haven't talked about it yet, like off air so let's talk about it more off air but i have been thinking about it because i was like oh i think we need to mm, you know i don't know i don't know i'm excited about the high republic yeah yeah and and uh charles soul he had done the darth vader comics and i hadn't actually i haven't read his run of the darth vader comics but i know a lot of people really liked them so so i know you and i kind of you know kind of make fun of the fact that they do so many darth vader comics but <laughs> but those are some now that now that i've read his novel 
it makes me want to go back and kind of read some of his comic stuff that I missed. Well, I'd be open to it to read his run of the Vader comics, but only if there's a panel in one of them that goes boom. Uh, <laughs> boom. And he <laughs> and he does tie in stuff. I've seen like I did a little bit of research on kind of some of the Easter eggs in this book, and there definitely are tie-ins to some of his comic work. So, mm. so yeah, it might even just help kind of round out the the world a little bit or the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so moving on from the audiobook, I want oh I want to talk about. Let me see. There was three moments. There's two specific, but three moments where I got like really emotionally invested. And the first is the legacy run disaster. That whole thing with her trying to pilot the ship and move it out of the way and all this stuff and just like the intensity that happened there, like it got me. I didn't cry, but I was like on the verge. I was like, oh my God, these people. It was well just as the the whole build up to it was great like cuz they're telling it from all these different perspectives and like yeah. you were saying the timestamps like how many minutes to impact and so you're kind oh, of seeing these God. different people and as this great as this disaster is kind of unfolding it was really intense in the way it was written Ooh. and mm -hmm. i you know i really it kind of draws you in right off the get go like right as soon as you start reading the book you're already drawn in which is great Oh my God, you said get go and not off the bat. And I, I think know. you did that on purpose. That was a purposeful choice because I almost said bat. And then I was like, nope, <laughs> Teresa's going to call me out on it. And you did anyways. Off but, the get go. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't even really make sense. That but, doesn't. Yeah, Just so say it, off the bat, it's fine. It, it got me. You know, it pulled me in right away. And, and yeah, and it all leads up to that moment with the, the Jedi trying to stop that, oh, you know. My God. That one thing, you know, it's the, I guess it was Tabana gas or something in a tank yeah. that was flying through and going to hit this star. And, yeah, it was it was really intense. And you see how hard the Jedi had to try to stop it from happening and, and like, the sacrifice they were willing to make. And it was, you right away you knew wow, they, like, they already have killed a couple Jedi. Yeah. And this book just got started. Well, that's one thing I definitely want to talk about. So that that was my second part of that was so intense. I was driving when I was listening to that, when they were trying to sh move the Tavana gas. And I was sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to have to pee my pants while I'm driving. Like, I'm so nervous. Like, are they going to do it? But one thing that I observed is that and maybe maybe it exists in the movie universe with the Jedi, but I feel like it doesn't. I feel like this is the first time with the Jedi in canon that we're really seeing how powerful they really are and their connection to the Force, the descriptions of the way that they see the force and how they're all individually different and then their ability to connect like that over light years essentially away from each other to all come together to do this task like because they say even Yoda on Coruscant like was able to reach their you know their connection and the way I viewed it almost is kind of like in the Mandalorian where Grogu is sitting in the middle of that thing and like the light beam you know mm -hmm. and it's like for me like that was my visual is that like that was Avar Chris and everyone was just channeling into that and can you imagine something like that like the Jedi being able to do that in the more modern Jedi era because I honestly I don't think they have that talent like these Jedi in the High Republic are like freaking powerful people, and I feel like they're not anymore. Yeah, and I think <laughs> when that's, we get to like Mace and everybody, it's something they're trying to highlight. I think being this is the Jedi at the height of their power. I think it, it's even in the publisher summary, and they are. I think this is before kind of the the shadow of the dark side or whatever you want to call it. That started to happen to the Republic Jedi, you know, that led to the Clone Wars. And we've only ever seen the Jedi in the movies. Yeah. Kind of from the prequels on. So it already was happening. We got we saw them as their powers were already starting to decline. And even even though we do see 
individual instances, I would say, of Jedi having, you know, very powerful moments like Luke, what he did in The Last Jedi, things like that. It's still, this is the first time, like you said, in canon that I think we're seeing a collective group of Jedi that are able to display the, this level of powers. Oh, God. And I mean, it's just, it was impressive. I was honestly like, wow, this is so cool. Like, why haven't the Jedi been this cool this whole, this long? You know, like, we know they're cool. It's like that unsaid thing. We know they're cool. We know they're powerful. We know they can do all these things, but we've never actually seen it, you know, and now we're seeing it, and it's just like, dang. It does bring back memories of the Legends stuff. And it I know, does. And I know a lot of people want to hate on the Legends stuff, I, and the Le- Legends had good and bad, so I'm not, I'm not wishing that, we, you know, we could go back to that, but... There were uh, there were stories in Legends that kind of reminded me of, you know, this type of thing. They had stories that were set in the Clone Wars era, where you see a lot of Jedi. They also had post Return of the Jedi, like New Republic or I guess New Jedi Order type era, where they reestablished the Jedi, and you see a lot of them at the same time and kind of displaying these types of powers as well. So although this is a completely new era, it did remind me of some of the some of that stuff that I kind of missed from from Legends. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, what is that one Legends book that, it was early on when we were podcasting that I just, like, I, like, just adored. Um, it's like, you know, old, old, old Jedi. Like, oh, old when they Republic did the Jedi. Dawn of the Jedi. Oh, yes. Like that. Yeah, Dawn of the Jedi was... It was sad that that you know they did the the big comic series and they only I think they only ever got the one novel out but yeah I agree yeah, that was kind of that. this is a similar kind of feel um, that we're being introduced to a whole new group of Jedi and kind of a different way of looking at the Jedi even like they don't even use the term mind trick no because, it's like mind mind touch yeah but you know they're like some people call it a trick but we really don't like to think of it as a trick so you could see. Even, you know, even only 200 years before what we know, yep. the Jedi were, they saw the Force differently. They were they touched the Force differently. They utilized the Force differently. They even had to, like, kind of plug their lightsabers into their ships to make their ships work right. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of a new thing. So, yeah, it's just a, it's cool to discover this, this new version of the Jedi. Yeah, and also uh, props to the to the team, you know, because obviously this is a undertaking with lots of different authors for coming up with super badass Jedi names. Like <laughs> the characters' names aren't all weird, crazy like Star Wars names. Like they're still you know Star Wars names, but they're actually good. It's not like uh, okay. <laughs> There's a yeah. There's quite a mix of names, but there's definitely some standouts. Like Loden Greatstorm, I love Bell Zedifar's name. Like that is such a cool name. <laughs> I don't know. I I was I was on board for sure. They're easy to remember, like Avar Chris, mm-hmm. Elazar Man. You know, there's some yes, Porter Engel. Man, okay, okay. The voice he did for Elzar Man, good. Well, he's a cool guy. He's yeah, cool he were, he reminded me of like a Quinlan boss. Yeah, you know, kinda... like the it's a cool dude. Yeah, he's like the, he's definitely the cool Jedi. I I liked him right away as soon as they were kind of describing him. Like, oh, he's a cool guy. I like him. And can I just call it now that Avar Chris and Elzar Man are a thing? They're I mean, things. I don't think you have they to call will be a thing. I think they made that pretty clear. Well, I just... <laughs> I actually have that in our notes to talk about, <laughs> um, which I, I I don't know what their their ship name would be. Uh, Avar, Chris, Elzar, man. Avzar? Avzar? <laughs> Chris, man? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's I don't know. We'd have to, we'll have to work on that a little bit Hashtag more. Hashtag Avzar. <laughs> Hashtag Avzar. <laughs> but yeah, they were longing for each other. Absolutely. Oh, God. It gave me, it gave me Satine and Obi-Wan vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, and I, they kind of teased it throughout the book, but then at the very end, um, in the the epilogue, there's a scene mm-hmm. where they make it very clear yeah. that there's a there's definitely desire kind of between them, but they also realize that they're Jedi, and that it's kind of um, you know the attachment thing and all that. So, so yeah, it was definitely interesting. And they're I think we they're setting just, the. We just need to get over the attachment thing, guys. Like really, attachment yeah. 
don't aren't necessarily something that's bad. Like, can we quit with that already? For the Jedi, it is. Apparently, oh, it turns you to the dark side and you kill you know younglings. I, I think they're stupid with that. So. I don't know. I think they're onto something with some of it, but that's a, that's a debate <laughs> for another time. <laughs> okay. So, can we talk about um, Captain Fenuel Bright, please? Yeah, he's a. Uh... He was the he was one of the more outstanding characters. Absolutely. At the at the beginning, which we really didn't get to, you know, he's not like a main character. He's not throughout the whole book. It's just we kind of have that moment with him, and he makes but his I, sacrifice. But I'm pissed that he's not because he's he's one of those characters like that one character on the dreadnought in the Last Jedi that you just want to see more of, you know. But they die in like the first five minutes. Oh, uh, like Captain uh, Kennedy. Yeah, Captain Kennedy. Yeah, but like his and I, maybe it wouldn't have been as powerful if it hadn't been for his sacrifice, but that whole scene, that whole thing, I was crying. I was crying cuz he oh my god. Oh, I can't. I'm going to start crying. If anything that you could criticize about this oh. book is an overload of good characters. Yeah. Where it almost felt like that you there were so many great characters to follow that you didn't get a lot of time to maybe get to know them a little bit more. Yeah, I want to know more about Inamin. Petty Officer Inamin. He he reminds me of Eli Vanto. Like, there's something about his character. I don't know. I just, ugh, I love Inamin. I want more. Also, Peoples. Peoples made me laugh. <laughs> so, like, that whole crew of Captain Bright, Inamin, and Peoples, like, I want more of that. And I... There was just something about that sacrifice that he did, and I was just in tears, and then, you know, he dies, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> Right, and these characters weren't even that important. No, In the grand not. scheme of things, and we're, you're, you're, we're talking about them like they're main characters, but that's the, that is the strength, I think, of, of how well he did his characters in this book. Yeah. Is that even the side characters stand out, and mm -hmm. I, and I think that's, I'm so happy that this is a series and not just an individual novel, because we know that some of these characters we're going to get more time with. Yep. Because there's no way that you know you couldn't leave this book satisfied. You know you want to know more that's going to happen. Although it has a nice ending, there's definitely more to come. So let's talk about the bad guys. Oh, the Nihil. The Nihil or the Nile? So I've heard it's it pronounced not both ways. Well, I'm saying it from the audio book. I'm going with Nihil, but. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the Nihil is just like the name of like the gang. It can literally be anybody. Like it can be any species. Like it's yes. not like they're just like one species. Right. Yeah. They're they are all types of species, humans, whatever. They're and they all wear like these masks and stuff to pretty much cover cover their faces. But yeah, they they could be anything. Yeah, but they're either a storm, a cloud, or a strike. Yes, so or a tempest you, runner, or you, or a tempest runner. You get put into a category. They, I did like the structure. I like how they I laid like it out because it made you kind of understand. You know, it's like okay, you got this group. They're pirates essentially, and they have a leadership. You know, there's three tempest runners. There's the eye, and the four of them kind of work together. And then all the Tempest runners have their own little crew called the Tempest, and that is made up of storms, clouds, and strikes. And so it's like, okay, it's a, I like structure, and so I appreciated that they they laid it out very very well for us. Yeah, it made it a lot easier to follow, especially when they were introducing different characters within the individual Tempests. Uh, that it, you just kind of knew like what their rank was. So it's essentially like a military rank. But, yeah, these three characters that are the Tempest Runners, which is Pan Ada, Kazaf, and Lorna D, I, I was, they were okay characters, but, I mean, I guess maybe he did his job because I sort of, like, don't like any of them. <laughs> they were very overly animated in some yeah. of the audio stuff, They and they really leaned into the fact that they were pirates. Right. With their voices, but... I thought they were all interesting. I like that, you know, the different species. Each one was a different species and kind of a more notable species in Star Wars, so you could easily visualize what they look like. And, you know, kind of a side note, I love, because of the the media push for this, 
There's a yes. lot of there's a lot of visuals out there for us. So if you want to know yeah, what a character absolutely. looks like, you know, just just look it up, and there's probably an image of them. Yeah, and I know I saw it on the Star Wars YouTube channel because they're doing stuff like individual like character things. Uh, they just did like Bells at a Fire like this past week. The video popped across my recommended or my whatever on YouTube, okay. and I was like, ah, cool. You know, it's just cool to be able to have those visuals because sometimes what I picture for Star Wars is like completely wrong. And I also get my species mixed up sometimes. So as long as I know, and I'm glad you put the graphic in our show notes that you put in, that's all the Jedi. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like a good reminder of like who was who. Yeah, I utilized that graphic throughout as I was reading it because that was another thing. There were so many characters. Some of them. You know, I instantly kind of knew, okay, I know who that is. But every once in a while, there'd be a name of a Jedi. Then I'm like, wait, do I know that? Have I met this Jedi yet? Like, what does this Jedi look like? So I'd have to refer to the, the image and say, okay, I know which one it is. Can we get a Dramatis Persona, please? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, there isn't one in this book. But, no. But um, there is a lot of information out there. So There is. And with the comics, too. A lot of these characters are going to show up in the comics, so we'll get to see them in action in a visual form, which is something we don't always get with novels. So, yeah, I like yep. this. I like the multimedia. Agreed. But the, yeah, so the Nile, they, in their own way, are very unique yeah the thing to star wars i know we've done pirates before there's been plenty of pirates in star wars but the way that this is structured and kind of the combination of martian martian row and the nihil but also working with the you know the paths and all of that that amalgam is something that we haven't really seen in Star Wars before in this really threatening group of pirates where it's not just like an offshoot that, okay, we got to fight these pirates. It's like a huge force of these pirates who are structured in a way that can actually be threatening is it's a unique idea that I at first, when I first saw kind of what this was going to be, I'm like, eh, like kind of weird. I don't know if I'm going to love this. I bought into it pretty quickly. I did I too. In the book. Yeah, I did too. It, and it was easy to follow, which is why I bought into it so much. Because it, it wasn't overly complicated. Like, we were, we talked about with the Thrawn books that their structure and stuff, it just made it really hard for us. Like, it was just so complicated. This wasn't. Yeah, and and you don't even know. I think there's still some mystery around kind of what the the ultimate goal is. I think for the, for the actual members of the Nihil... They're much more just interested in, you know, what pirates want, you know, what pirates want, right? They just want to go and pillage and make money. Mm -hmm. And, but Marshawn Rowe has, there's a little, there's something else going on with him. Yep. And I think that it's going to be revealed more and more as we read more of these books. But he seems to have a deeper connection to a darker, more sinister thing. And he's using the Nihil as his, basically his, his sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of, you know, do whatever. So it's going to be really interesting to follow to see what, you know, they even had him at the end. Well, there's different moments throughout where he gets into that fight with, um, oh, with Kasev. Kasev, and he like kicks his butt and like cuts his Seriously, hand off. He yeah, he like mutilates. The and at first you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is kind of this weakly evil guy. But then you're like, no, he can kick some ass too. And he's kind of he's kind of twisted in the head, and <laughs> like this guy could be really threatening. And then at the end, they have him wielding a lightsaber, and you're like, "Wow, there's this is going to be very interesting to to see all this unfold." Yeah, he kind of starts off as sort of this sounding like a little bit of a weakling character, and mm -hmm. then over the course of the book, he just is growing more and more powerful. And then the other thing with him is that the connection with him and the Santecas. When I heard that or read that or whichever it was. Uh, that family name, I went, no. Yeah, they're hyperspace like, oh prospectors. Oh my God. I was like, we're going to start talking about the Santecas now? I'm like, dude, cool. Because, you know, we know Laura Santeca from um, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Right? Yeah. But 
we hadn't ever heard that name before. So this is interesting. And the fact that like he basically has like one of the Santecas that can find these paths, which reminded me of the navigators and Thrawn. Yep. And it, it's uh, it, it's nice how that stuff ties together because you have to imagine that this Mari Santeca is somewhat force sensitive, right? Like how else would she be tapping into this? Yeah. So, and it makes sense if, you know, because of what happened in the Thrawn novels, maybe it's an unintentional coincidence that there's similar types of powers, but you would think that there's some some sort of force um, involvement. And Lor Santeca, we know not, he wasn't a force user himself, but he was part of like the Jedi, you know, I forget what they called him, but the people that basically like kind of almost saw the Jedi as religious figures. The wills. So, it, yeah, it's... There's going to be, there once again, there's more to be revealed, I think, around the Santecas and Mari and kind of what that connection is. Well, in the Santecas we're introduced to, they talk about Mari. They don't name her, but they talk about her and they're like, this sounds like her, you know? Like, no way she'd still be alive. She'd yeah, be over and, 100 years old. Well, because he has her in like a life pod. I know. And it's like you feel oh really bad God, for that her. That was violent too. Because she's very. God. She doesn't even understand what she's doing. No. And he's taking advantage of that. And that's like when someone's vulnerable like, and and someone takes advantage of that vulnerability, it makes that person even that much more evil. Oh, it's, yes. Absolutely. And he's trying to like talk nice to her, but in his head he's like, I wish I could just blah, blah, blah. And like he just wants to do mean things to her. And you're like, wow, this guy is really twisted and dark. Yeah. 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 Now, there were some familiar names in this. I mean, not not enough to make any kind of a difference. Yeah. You know, they mention Yoda, but then they're like, he's on sabbatical. <laughs> what? It's almost like, <laughs> like they knew certain Jedi would be alive at this time because of their ages. And they're like, well, I guess we got to at least mention them. <laughs> yeah. When I read Yariel Poof's name, I was like, ah, oh, it's the Poof Jedi. <laughs> yep. The Q-tip head guy. <laughs> the Q-tip head guy. <laughs> yeah. He... And he's actually on the council, right? And Oppo yeah. Rancisis as well, which I really liked him in the old, um, you know, Republic comics that they used to do. They had some really cool Oppo Rancisis stuff in there. But apparently, Charles Soule is a fan of that character uh, because I think he's referenced him in in some of his comics as well. Mm. But yeah, it was cool to see these names pop up. But I'm also glad that like Yoda wasn't like a main character. I mean, he may he may come into play at some point, but I'm glad that they're establishing these these other characters and not relying on the the big ticket names. Mhm. So. How embarrassing. Master Obi-Wan has lost a point. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that was what was going through my head. Okay, can we talk about the pet? Please, 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 please. The yeah, oh my they... god. Ember, the charhound, one of the best things in this entire book that one of the Jedi had a pet puppy. A fire breathing dog. A fire... <laughs> I, that's that's a new one. And I, I was trying to think of how that how that makes sense. Um because you it know does. It it's does. Star Wars, yeah, anything can make sense. But yeah, I, I it's a very cool looking thing. Yes. When you see pictures of her. And yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess that's kind of something new too. You don't typically these. You know, we have Jedi or different characters in Star Wars have they have pets, but their pets are droids. You know, they're not typically actual. You know, more canine like creatures. Like actual pets, man. When she comes in to rescue Porter, I was like, ah. Yeah, I thought he was, was done like, for. Go puppy, go. Yeah, he he seemed like he was resigned for the fact that he was about to die. And and he was, you know, they had kind of already had him do some pretty cool stuff. And he's an older Jedi. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to have our kind of first main character death here. But uh, no, puppy saved the day. Puppy saved the day. Yes, very, very cool. I loved it. Everything about it. Yeah, that whole scene... Where they're rescuing yeah. the family. Oh, that's so cool. And just some of the, yeah, you have you have uh, Bell's there and Loden's there. And, yeah, it was really, it was cool to see them, you know, riding those those kind of like horse-like creatures. and Steelies. 
chasing them down. Yeah, it was just a, a really cool adventure scene, you know, with these Jedi all working together. It's just something that we we don't typically get. And I, you know, me, you know, huge fan of the Jedi, obviously, and complain plenty about, you know, all these books that we get about, you know, okay, enough enough about Thrawn. Like, like give me some Jedi. Mm-hmm. But they finally did. And now I'm like <laughs> Jedi Overload. Like this book had so many in it, so many. I can't even. I couldn't even name them all if you asked me to. Yeah, Porter Ingle was one of my favorites. I loved his dialogue that he was having when he was fighting the two Nihil by himself. You know, and he was like, "Oh, yeah. oh, you, you think I can't see you?" And da da da. And I was just yeah. like, "Dude, he's so ba." Like. He's just so good. He's like he jumped. <laughs> at one point, he jumped, and he said something like, "I, I." He jumped like probably higher than they thought I could, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like he was almost impressing himself, and <laughs> and that was yeah, that was something I loved to see. I know you brought it up earlier about how powerful they they came across, but I love to see the Jedi like that. I love to see them really utilizing these powers, but also their inner dialogue is talking about, um the way they use the force and not wanting to kill, you know, mm-hmm. so although these pirates are doing the stuff and they're kind of like, you know, resigned to the fact that they're probably going to have to kill some of these characters, but they're also talking about how they don't want to, like, you know, that well, we'd rather say, not have to. They say it in a really cool way. They say that everybody is a child of the force, mm-hmm. but you have made your decisions to not live in the light. And that is what has caused this, you know? Yeah. So, and I was like, that is such a cool way to put it, you know, and recognizing that this isn't something that you want to do, but, you know, the force can't protect you from just because you're a child of the force doesn't mean that you don't have to take responsibility for the things that you've done. And I was just like, wow, so cool. I don't know. It, this book might have me falling in love with Jedi again, which I've always loved Jedi. I think Jedi is like the best part of Star Wars, but they have disappointed me a lot. <laughs> and I think a lot of it, too, is the way that they've been portrayed or written recently um, because of the time period that they're portrayed in. You know, yeah. We, you know, we, a lot of the of what we're seeing, like we're big fans of the Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. But at that time, the Jedi are basically falling. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing them kind of at their worst, and we're seeing some of the worst, even characters that I like. You know, I I also admit that they're they're blinded by their own pride. They you know they aren't making the best decisions, and so a lot of people kind of latch onto that and be like, "Oh, the Jedi are horrible." You know, I hate the Jedi kind of thing. But it's nice to see the Jedi kind of at their more ideal state. And it'll be it'll also be interesting to follow because I think right now we're kind of seeing maybe even the beginning of that decline. So how quickly will we fall into that decline? Right. And I don't know, like, I think you make a good point. We both love like Kanan and Ahsoka. And I feel like Kanan and Ahsoka lie on the outskirts of what you were just talking about. Yeah. You know, and and these Jedi remind me a lot of them, you know. Right, like I could see, I could see like Qui Gon or Ahsoka, Kanan, like they they kind yeah. of would fit in this era a little bit more than yeah. some of the other Jedi. And I love yeah. Mace Windu, but he's no he's no High Republic Jedi. Oh no, not yeah, at he's, all. He's definitely he's definitely part of the problem. And... The High Republic Jedi would never do what he did. <laughs> I still love the guy. Uh, I, you know but, what though, when it comes down to it, like I still like Mace Windu too, but they would never do what he did. Just no, and it's in Yoda. You know, Yoda f- kind of fell into it too. You know, he was mm-hmm. part of the problem. I think a lot, all the Jedi at that time, even Obi Wan. As much as I love Obi Wan, I love Obi Wan too. Some pretty but... big mistakes. Yeah. See, and they killed off all the ones that could have maybe you know potentially steered the Jedi in a different direction. Qui Gon. Uh... <laughs> you know but i don't know but what it makes for interesting storytelling and i think that right now we're at the point where some of these jedi that we're kind of idolizing in this in this book and saying how great they are we're going to probably see them make some mistakes too you know we're going to see them kind of fall or maybe go through some character growth uh so yeah it's going to be so cool to follow Mm mm-hmm 
And they weren't yep. afraid to kill these Jedi off. No, which I like that too. Which um, there were a couple. They in... killed off Tayami and Jora. And the way they described the scenes too, it was very surprising when they died. Yeah. It was a shocking kind of moment where you're like, oh, I think, um, what was the one Jedi's name, the Trandoshan? Um, Sakir, is that something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Something... Where he, his, he, he's flying and his ship gets hit and he loses oh. arm. And then he realizes that that um, that the other, the Jedi he was with, Joro, is dead. Oh. And right after they had gone through the whole description. No, no, no. It wasn't him. That was uh. Oh no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Sorry. I was thinking about um, I was thinking about Tayami and Mikkel Sutmani. Sorry. Yeah, that was a. Sim- it was actually kind of similar. a similar situation because it ha- both happened in the ships. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of similar. But. When um when Jora died, they had just gotten through the point of like describing her building her lightsaber, mm-hmm. and kind of the the parallel of her and what she did with her lightsaber and what Ahsoka eventually does with hers. Yes, and, ah, so good. Yes. And they're like, oh, she found the Sith spear, which I was like, oh, that's a new thing. I never even heard of a Sith spear, and like she took the Kyber crystal out of it, which was you know blood red, and then she healed it and that's what turned it white and you're like oh wow this is such a cool parallel to what happens with ahsoka and then like five minutes later she's dead and i just it was sad but at the same time it's like i love it when a book is willing to kill characters i just Mm -hmm. love it 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 just raises the stakes Mm -hmm. and the fact that they did have they let us get to know jorah they let us get to know Tayami, and then they killed him Mm -hmm. and so now you're like oh well is nobody safe they could kill anyone i know i'm worried for bell I'm wor- I'm really worried for Loden. Oh yeah, Loden because too. Of, like Bell is growing up, Bell is becoming a knight. Yeah. And then you're like, well, what is oh. you know? This might be them setting up Loden to die. But no. It, you know, at the end they kind of some of the Jedi think he is dead because he ends up getting captured. Yeah, by Marshawn Rowe. Which um, which kind of leaves, leaves us at a big cliffhanger because Marshawn Rowe is has plans for him. You know, it's kind of like when the Emperor captured. Or when the Emperor had uh, Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and was like, you know, I have plans for you. I'm not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like, hmm, what is this guy? He want, Why does he want a Jedi so bad? What plans does he have for him? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's really, you know, a nice cliffhanger there. Yeah. So I was looking at Avar, Chris, and Elzar Man's names. I think the only thing you can come up with is Avzar. I like Avzar. So- Hashtag Avzar. <laughs> I like it. They had the scene at the so the they, at the very end of the book they have the epilogue, and it's interesting because I don't know if this part of the book if you did this audio or if you actually read the text, but the text is all italics, right? So it kind of indicates that maybe this isn't actually happening. Like this is just a vision that he's having. It is a vision. Well, I know he has a vision. Because he definitely has a vision, but the whole scene that he has with Avar Chris mm. seems like it really happened. Because it could just be, well, yeah. I mean, it could just be an italicized text because it's the because epilogue. it's the epilogue, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's it is interesting that they chose that. I'd be curious to maybe if if we ever did talk to Charles Soul, why they they chose to change it at the end like that. What is that supposed to be indicating? But yeah, he's having this conversation with her. And this is the part where you're kind of like, okay, they're definitely into each other. And mm-hmm. then she's like, oh, maybe we should go dance, get some drinks. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll catch up with you. And then he has this vision where he's just seeing like this really crazy darkness, this hidden darkness that's, you know, going to kill a lot of Jedi. And and that's kind of how they end the book. Like it's yeah. just like that's they leave us with that. And so we're like, oh, wow, this is this doesn't sound like. His vision, I don't think, is of the Naiho. I think it's of what's coming next. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, it's an awesome book. <laughs> like, let's... I think we know how we feel. Yeah, I think, like... I was so pleasantly surprised. I thought I was going to be let down just because I, I had high hopes. Because you're just in negative pants? I just had high hopes for it, and I and I knew because it, the Jedi were such a big part of it. I'm like, this is just setting me up for disappointment. 
like they they're they're making it look like they're giving me exactly what I want, but when I read it, something about it I'm not gonna like. But I really like I loved everything about this book. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't anything that stood out. I liked the Jedi that they had. I thought the characters were great. A lot of the side characters, the storyline, the villains were effective. Marshawn Rowe, I really like him as kind of like, it seems like he's kind of a main villain. I don't know if we'll be introduced in other ones later, but yeah, I, I what they're building, if this is the foundation of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so far one book in, I'm, I'm all in. You're all in. I'm all in. So five bookworms then? <laughs> we did get an email from yes. somebody. Yes, we did. Actually, talking about on. about bookworms and how I just need to get over it and just start doing it. Um, let me. I forget. Okay. All right. So we have said this too. If you guys email us, so uh, we got an email from Jamie Johnson. She said, your enthusiasm and love of reading has inspired me to pick up the Star Wars books again. I have been reading all the new as it comes out and even jumping back into the EU. While reading the original Thrawn trilogy and viewing the Mandalorian show, I noticed a possible setup for a cool crossover. What is your opinion that Thrawn trilogy is the ultimate climax of all the new shows with the crossover? I know this is partly a TV question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about this trilogy possibly going to live action. Thanks, Jamie. I don't know if they would go there. Um, I I think if we get an Ethron, it's going to be related to the Rebels tie-in stuff. Um, I don't I don't know if it would be like the I Thrawn trilogy stuff. Yeah, and I think is she referring to the canon Thrawn trilogy? I'm assuming not the the legends. Or does uh, she specify? She did specify. So I would say if it's the canon Thrawn trilogy, definitely not. Um, I just don't see how that would work. Yeah, I do think that they're you know definitely bringing Thrawn in in some way to the TV stuff, and which I wouldn't have guessed that ever would have happened. So it definitely surprised me, but but it is happening, and mm-hmm. I I don't think they'll tie it directly like you said. It, it's not going to be as connected to the books, but I absolutely think it'll be connected to what we've seen of him in animation. Mm -hmm. we have another email Joshua he said hi you guys my name is Josh I have been listening to your podcast forever you guys are my role models and you guys need to know that you got me through some tough times well Josh we appreciate you emailing us and letting us know and if you are on Facebook we'd love for you to be a part of our Facebook group or you know just uh, interact with us on on Twitter and Instagram but um, we're glad that we've been able to help you out Um, It's kind of one of the reasons we do this. And then thank you for everything. And I love the idea of how many bookworms do you give it? So come on, Aaron, do it. Thank you for reading this. All right. You got to do it because Josh wants you to. Oh, it was Josh that called me out. Okay. Yeah, it's Josh. Um, I knew knew it was one of the emails. But yeah, so Josh, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm not going to cave. Well, we've helped him so much. (laughs) I just, you know, I like I really like this book. I gave it 5 stars on Goodreads. So 5 bookworms. That's so good. That's, it translates to 5 bookworms. That's good. Uh also we got an email from Nicholas. He said, "I'm a new listener to this podcast. I really like it so far, and I think you should review the Legend books." And uh I wrote him back and Uh, So I figured we'd address it on the show. So the reason we haven't done Legends books is because of the fact that there's just so much coming out that's new and in the new canon that people are so excited about. And there's been a few lulls, but at the times there was lulls, we were so behind anyway that we used that time to catch up. So if there is ever a time where there is a lull that we're not behind, we might. But... There's just they're pelting us with so much content right now. It's kind of it's kind of hard. And we technically started this podcast when Legends was still a thing, so we do have Legends yep. reviews. They're just in our older episodes. Yes. Yeah. So so I think it's awesome that we got three emails in January, which is new for us. We haven't, you know, a lot of people don't want to take time to send us an email, but we love it. 
it gives us a chance to kind of really see what you guys are thinking and everything like that. And then sometimes when we're reviewing books, of course, we post stuff on our on our Facebook group, which also allows us to interact with you guys. So feel free to send us an email, you guys, in between shows, Star Wars Bookworms at gmail.com, and we will read them on the show. If you don't get a emailed response back from us, that's just because we're going to read it on the show and respond to you there. So please, please, please send us emails. I like reading them. It's fun. <laughs> so it, do we both give it – are you saying that you're giving it two thumbs up? Uh, I'm giving it five bookworms. You're giving it – okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, this is a, this may, this is in, this is in the conversation for me. I'll have to think about it more, but it's in the conversation for me of favorite. Top five. Yeah. Like number one favorite mm-hmm. of the new canon books. It, it may have, it may have surpassed, uh, we'll have to hold up, hold that thought. No, maybe. we'll have to reevaluate that after we've read Claudia Gray's Into the Dark. I have and... heard from people that that's even better. So, oh, but I think I've heard that from it. Claudia Gray fans, so I think they might be biased. But still, like we love Lost Stars, so mm, oh my god, they have great the all the writers they have on this are people so I enjoy, good. and mm-hmm. and I'm just even like I haven't even read any Kevin Scott stuff yet, so I'm excited for his stuff. Like it's just all around. I think this is really a lot of potential for being some really solid Star Wars storytelling that not that the new canon has been bad by any means, because I've enjoyed a lot of it, but this is really kind of right up my alley. Yeah. This is hitting the sweet spot for us. Yeah. So, all right, you guys, well, like we said, you can email us in between shows, Star Wars bookworms at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at SW bookworms and you can find us on Facebook. Just look for Star Wars bookworms and you'll find us. Yes, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we always appreciate reviews. So if you want to leave us a nice five-star review, that'd be great. You can find Teresa on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok still. Mm-hmm. At Ice Cold Penguin. And you can find me at A.V. Goins. And until next time. Keep on reading and may the force be with you. <laughs>